3: Hello and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. Just me, Ian Irving and Andy Mitton today. Hi Andy. Hello Ian. We'll be talking about your exclusive interview with Nicky Butt a little bit later on. Some really interesting stuff from him in there. I guess we could do with Nicky Butt right now actually, couldn't we? We'll also rewind the clock back 20 years to talk about one of the best comebacks in Premier League history. And we'll get you up to speed with all the latest news headlines from the club as well. But first, Andy, uh, there's been a video making waves on the Athletics Twitter account from Monday's Talk of the devil, speaking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, in your words, losing the moderates. A few days on, there's still comments, there's still likes, there's still retweets. What have you made of, of all the comments that that video has attracted?
1: It's fair comment. It's what people are, are talking about. And when results and performances dip at any big club around the world, fans are absolutely entitled to have their opinions. So I just uh, said it exactly how I saw it. I was at the games last week, I was in the pubs of Manchester, I was on the streets, so I was speaking to people, and people have people got doubts. And I think that's absolutely fair to have that. That doesn't mean they don't support the manager, doesn't mean they don't support the football club. I think fans have always got um, concerns and areas which they'd like to see Improved within the team, even when the team were doing well. I famously remember a letter to United. We stand in April 2008 um, from a lad who became a professional sports journalist, saying uh, Ferguson hasn't got a clue what he's doing, and, and here's what he needs to do. You know, within a month, Manchester United were English <laughs> and European champions. So that's yeah. an element of fandom that, that's never going to go away. People are entitled to their uh, opinions those people are not making the decisions um, inside uh, the club. And I think that with Ollie, I think he's still got the majority of fans. Uh, I think moods change with results. If Manchester United go and win six games on, on the bounce now, I could say everyone would be singing Oli's at the wheel again, but people were singing that before the Everton and during the Everton game at Old Trafford. But when Manchester United's performances and results dip, as they have done yet Absolutely, going to get conjecture will be the same at any club uh, in, in the world. I think his job, yeah, I think his job's 100% secure. I
3: think, Andy, as well, it's really important to point out at this point that it, that wasn't you saying that this is the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should go, it was just you saying that there are concerns about how it's going with Ole at the minute. And, and there's a difference, isn't there? It's not black and white, it's not either 100% supporting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or 100% wanting him to go. There's a grey area at times and it feels at the minute we're in a bit of a grey area. People have got legitimate concerns about the way the team are playing, the results that they've had in recent weeks against the teams that they've played. And also this sense of, is it is it going the way that we all think it should go, need it to go, considering we are talking about the title only a couple of weeks ago? There's always
1: percentages. So this week I've had one lad who goes to every game say to me, 90% of us want ollie uh, to, to be sacked and i've had somebody else saying we're all right behind him so where does the truth lie and the truth's actually somewhere in between it's actually pretty fluid as well nobody's ever going to get 100 percent approval ratings whether they're a football manager or they're, they're a politician and that's fair enough when you get put into the public eye into a very high pressure very well-paid job that just goes with with the territory one thing i like about ollie is he deals with the pressure really well he doesn't get too carried away with the highs or, or with the lows. And I remember seeing him after the winning PSG last year. And truthfully, I was absolutely buzzing, smiling, asked him a question, expected him to get on the table and start
3: dancing.
1: <laughs> but he didn't. He was measured. No. And then I saw him in Istanbul after that shocking, shameful defeat. And I expected him to be...
3: Hid under the table.
1: Hid under the table. <laughs> And he wasn't. He was pretty He was pretty balanced. I think the, the main gist of what I was saying is we're nearly three years into Oli being manager of Manchester United now. This is largely his team. Expectations, not unreasonably, uh, have risen. And it's going to be tough for him. He's got a, a, a squad full of world-class players there. and They've not quite clicked yet, have they? No. You watched them this season. Look at the league table. The league table's all right. It's a big improvement on recent years but look at the performances as well. And I think Manchester United have got to be getting out of this Champions League group. I don't think that's unreasonable to, to expect that and mounting a decent challenge on the title. When I look at the opponents at the moment, I don't think Manchester United are anywhere near the level of what I see with Manchester City and Liverpool. But I've said that in the past, and Manchester United have gone at City and beaten them pretty convincingly so situation can all change but there's definitely been some concern in the last few weeks the club's position is that the manager's absolutely secure a new contract was given um, to Mike Phelan it's the club who make the decision not the supporters but
3: was that a big backing for Ollie for you Mick Phelan's new contract
1: I think what you saw last week uh, with um in the Villarreal game was Mick tends to play more of a role in the European games he, he's on the the bench, he's, he's 59, he's experienced, he, he's, he's been there and done that, he, he wouldn't get starstruck, I'm not saying that any of the, the other coaches would get starstruck either and I spoke to Nicky Butt last week for the Athletic and he actually ran through some of the coaches individually, but look, it's Manchester United, people are going to look at the results and the performances and when Manchester United drop points at home or get knocks out of cups, the team, the manager, and everyone associated with it are going to get criticised. And that is how it is at top-level football. There are far more vicious environments to work in football. At Manchester United, I think it's a pretty gentle, supportive environment. Look at the atmosphere inside the stadium, and it's very supportive to the manager. But then it was for David Moyes and for, for Louis van Hall. It's quite interesting. that I think Mourinho's slide came from January 18, signed new contract, way... Well, hey, February 18, get knocked out by Sevilla, and the slide started then, and it didn't stop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Louis van Gaal, Christmas 15, game at Stoke. It had been a pretty wretched December, went out of the Champions League. That was when Nick Enjoy Powell... the wine
3: and the mince pies. Yeah. Goodbye.
1: Nick Powell came on for quite matter in Wolfsburg. I saw Nick Powell on Friday, actually, at Stoke. He scored a great goal. Quite an interesting chat. Maybe we'll come back to that at another point. He's a decent player. And then you could see the slide with Van Haan. You could see that most fans had lost support for him. If Manchester United finished eighth this season, there's going to be very little appetite for the manager to continue and there'll be loads of side stories as to why Manchester United finished eighth this season. But I remained supportive of him. I was very frustrated with some of the recent performances and results from a personal perspective, I think every Manchester United fan has been the same. But when some of the games, tough games coming up and the mood changes again, the mood's important. One thing I wrote when Van Ar was slipping, and I got slaughtered for it, was the mood inside the ground is very different to online. And I've written that many times since and I stand by every word because it is often vastly different and at first, people who were not the game were affronted by it. Whoa, how can you say that? I can say it because I can see it and hear it with my own eyes. It's not a criticism of anybody. What I'm telling you is inside this stadium sat today, people are singing for Louis van Gaal. And online, they're raging for him to, to, to be sacked. So there's, there's two versions of, of reality there.
3: Yeah, I'd encourage anyone who missed Monday's podcast to, to go back and listen to it because not only Andy but Laurie Whitwell was with us on Monday as well going through exactly the situation around the club, the mood, the opinion of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after what's been a pretty roller coaster a couple of weeks for the club and him as well and let's just go into a couple of the comments Andy if that's alright from Twitter because like we say that clip of, of you talking about the moderates caused a lot of reaction as 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 we've been talking about so Rogie Akutum says, Klopp took three and a half seasons to win the Champions League and won the Premier League after that. Oli has had three and a half seasons and who should take over? Give Oli this season, then judge. As a comparison between sort of the job that Klopp had at Liverpool and the job that Oli's got at United, is that a fair comparison?
1: Oli's well, got to start delivering. I think he knows that. We can't be sat here in 12 years with Manchester United not having won a single trophy. There's got to be a cut-off point somewhere. Need more time. <laughs> Give him a bit more time. He's a nice guy. He's doing a good job. It, it's, he scored the treble goal. Give him more time. It is Manchester United. And what comes with having one of the biggest wage bills in football and one of the biggest supports in football, if you look at the figures this week, as I'm sure everybody did, the biggest TikTok figures in football, where Manchester United smashed everyone else out of the park, responsibility, expectation. And, and that, that, that's fine. If you go to manage Norwich City this season, your job is to try and keep them up. If you go to manage Manchester United, your job is to try and, and win the league. And as I said earlier, and in regard to that question, it's not unfair to start judging the manager at the end of this season. And I've said he, he should be winning a trophy. And he should be winning a trophy.
3: If he does fail, who on earth would come next? Because one major thing that Ollie's done, no matter what, the one thing you can't question is that he seems to have restored what it, feels like to be a Manchester United fan again you sort of can recognise a lot of the elements in the way that it feels to watch United and and the mood around the club undoubtedly is is very different to how it's been under previous managers and and he sort of built on that I think Andy as well hasn't he over time so if you were then to suddenly bring in a manager who has got no history with the club has got no knowledge of of really that the things that Ollie's brought back in You'd be in danger of undoing all the work that Solskjaer's done, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, but you're talking about something that happened three years ago. And you're quite right. And when he went to the staff Christmas party that night on his first day at the club, some of the younger employees of Manchester United were singing, You Are My Solskjaer. And this was like the works Christmas do. I stood outside the away end at Cardiff City in his first game, selling copies of United We Stand, hastily reprinted, with Ollie scoring a goal in Barcelona on the front cover, and it was brilliant. And people were coming up and hugging me And way. I mean, I, I think I did see one person who hadn't had a drink. But of the 3,000 <laughs> United fans streaming in, it was buzzing. And that buzz did not stop until Paris in the March. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and, the results didn't stop till Paris in the March, really, did they? And, and we love football for this. And I remember being pitch side at Paris in the March and saying to one of the people on the bench, you've got to go at these. Come on, you've got to. And they're like, calm down. We've got Arsenal away in the league at the weekend. Yeah, but look at them away fans there. Got, got, come on, it's PSG, smash them. And just sort of, the, re- the reception was sort of gently, all right, we know where you're coming from. It was light-hearted. Yeah, yeah. And then United won. Get in there. Get up to that away end. And this, we live for these moments. We dream about these moments. And yet a month after Paris at Goodison Park, I asked Dolly Gunnar Solskjaer, are you the right man to take this club forward? And that was absolutely the right question to ask at the time as well. 100%. 100%. After after a dreadful, dreadful defeat where Everton put four past Manchester United. So he's absolutely lifted the mood. I think he's done a good job. I've been very consistent about what I've said about him.
3: He's built on that though, Andy, hasn't he? I know we're talking about stuff that happened sort of three years ago now, but it's not like that's dissipated, is it really? Uh, There's still an identity to this team that United fans can feel is more like their club? I
1: think Oli's recruitment has largely been been good. I think finishing second is a big achievement. The Europa League defeat still stings a little bit, but that is football. There's no way I expected Manchester United to finish second last season. I think the competition is very high. You've got very well-resourced opponents with very good managers like Klopp, who you mentioned, like Tuchel, and people might say, to, "Look what Tuchel did at Chelsea." Well, Chelsea are European champions, so you can say that with some confidence now. Or it can go the other way. Look at where Arsenal have gone. Look at where Tottenham have gone. You know, Manchester United have been fairly consistent under Ollie, not winning the cups, but getting to the the semi-finals, um, getting to, to the Europa League final, but got to be winning these competitions. Now and I think Ollie's got a good eye for a players. Recruitment's been uh, largely good. He's very very popular. Fans still sing his name. Yes, it's a, an addition when you've got a club legend there. On a personal level, I think he's a I think he's a, a great guy, and he's measured, and I think he's pretty transparent. I don't think you get the sort of anger which you got with with Jose Mourinho, where there's two versions of the truth. I think Oli's pretty straight. My bottom line is Manchester United need to keep on improving and start winning trophies under a manager who's approaching his third year. Would I sack him now? No, I wouldn't. But plenty of United fans would. I'll be supportive of him. I think there's been individual moments and individual sections within game where Manchester United have played well for 10 20 minutes even against Everton but on balance I think it's been pretty underwhelming
3: last word on this and before we talk about Nicky but Swan MS has also commented on the on the clip that's on Twitter saying very much what you've said Andy really you could feel it after the Everton game even people who usually of back were showing concerns and he's put now that little clip of sir alex will fuel the fire even more now he's talking about a, a clip of sir alex talking to the former ufc fighter habib where he says you must always start your best players which was in reference to cristiano ronaldo of course not starting the game against everton um it's a really funny um article on the athletic at the minute i'd I, I sort of urge you to come and read it from nick miller talking about the over analysis that we've had of the clip and then over analyzing the clip even more Um, What did you make of it, Andy?
1: I thought the fighter looks absolutely nails and really calm.
3: I'd agree with that. I saw him pitch side afterwards as well. Yes, definitely.
1: I think it's wonderful that Sir Alex Ferguson goes to matches and has opinions. You always play your best players. Well, read that Nicky Butt interview, and there's a bit in it where he says, there were players starting ahead of me who I knew I was better than. And I think it's fair to say that Nicky Butt was better than Cleverson and Eric Jemba Jemba.
3: Yeah, Liam Miller was in that squad as well. Alex yeah.
1: Ferguson didn't always start his best players. Managers experiment, they see how players react under different circumstances. And when I went into Old Trafford on Saturday and and saw the team, you told me the team outside the ground. Outside, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you asked me my thoughts on the team and I'm thinking, well, you really need to be asking a, a proper journalist there because <laughs> I didn't even know it. <laughs> And um but Andy, what do you think of Ronaldo not playing? Is, it? Uh, yeah. is he not playing? Right. <laughs> is Cavani starting? No. Yes, he is. Yeah. Because I was walking around speaking to fans. Yeah, yeah. And I was soaking up the atmosphere. And Ferguson experimented many times, and there were a lot of poor performances under Alex. Well, Ferguson, Nick points out in
3: the in the article actually, Ronaldo's last year. At Old Trafford, he was left out several times that season in the Premier League, and a good example actually was Robin van Persie in Ferguson's final year, who was left out nine times during that season. Not a big deal. He to can't me. play every week. Not
1: a big deal. This, this isn't Samat. It was Busby. a throwaway
3: comment, though, wasn't it? Is was it really a, a
1: sort of a, a criticism of Solskjaer to this extent? You know? No, no, no. I don't think it's a big deal, and um, you've not got a situation like you had with with Matt Busby. Where the senior players were were going to the manager, the former manager, and Franco O'Farrell, who was the manager, felt really undermined. And actually, I believe him. I think he's right to feel undermined. So I think with have has got a good relationship with, with Sir Alex. They often um, communicate after matches. But there's this environment now. Let's catch someone out. Oh, this will go viral. Would it have gone viral? If Fergie would have said something which wasn't perceived to be contentious. No. Nope. No, it wouldn't. And, and, and that brings us into a bigger picture here of the social media giants. They, they, they're looking for stuff which antagonises and pulls out base emotions. I think that was a, an example of that. And the people th- uh, who are commenting, they're not deciding to pick him or not. So it's one reason we engage in football. We all know better than the manager we all think we know better than the manager but we're not the ones who who, who are making the decisions
3: yeah okay right go back and listen to Monday's podcast anyone who missed it much much more analysis and conversation about Solskjaer and the current United situation in that We need to talk about Nicky Butt.
1: Yeah, Nicky Nicky Butt.
3: na 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 you na know Nicky what? Nicky Butt. I shouldn't sing, should I really? Let's get on to your scoop, Andy. It's more interesting, I'm sure, for everyone listening.
1: My biggest scoop on Nicky Butt is that I made that song up which you're singing. Did you? Yeah, it's the only song I've ever made up for a match which has caught on. And I and and I claim copyright of it. Blimey. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, and Nicky knows that as well. You know, I'm
3: more impressed by that than the article, I have to admit. Yeah.
1: There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, Nicky. Nicky left the club in March. I met him in Manchester last week. Uh, we spoke for 45 minutes. I wish it was an hour and 45 minutes. I thought he spoke exceptionally well. I've had a lot of feedback from it, not just from fans, from people within the club as well. And... What really impressed me about him was that he wasn't sat there whinging, but he was sat there saying, I'm doing a CEO's course. I'm learning Spanish.
3: I couldn't believe those two things. I couldn't believe those two things. That I can't remember. Um, there would have been sort of obviously foreign players around when Nicky Butt was, was in the dressing room, but I'm sure that the, the main language was English in that dressing room or, or a version of English, a sort of Scottish lilt maybe to it. But for him to go and learn Spanish and do a CEO course, I mean, it, he was talking about upskilling.
1: You know, it's the lad from Gorton. He's changed, hasn't he? Good for him. Absolutely. And his passion for football came through. There absolutely was non-English speaking players because two of them really pissed him off that they're in the team ahead of him. So, yeah, As I've just referred to. Maybe yes. he wanted yeah. to uh, communicate with them. And there's also a big difference between learning Spanish and speaking Spanish. It's all right having, you know, he's done a lot did of Did you classes. test him? Yeah, I did test him. And how was it? Well, he, he he wouldn't get by in Andalusia, put it that way. So what, what he needs to do is go to Spain and spend some proper time there. And when sure. coaches do that, and, and Manchester United have got a coach who's done that, and Martin Perp, he travelled around South America, he speaks um, Portuguese, and the players really, really appreciate that. Nicky talked about his time as a coach. I was more interested in that than his time as a player. I didn't want it to be a... Now, Roy Keane was great, Paul Scholes was great piece. I wanted to know why did you leave Manchester United? What are you doing now? What are you doing in the future? How do you see youth football? And his intelligence for talking about the pressures on young players now in the social media world. Because back in the day, he could go to the boardwalk on a on a on a Thursday night and have a little bit too much to drink and get away with it. And the manager might hear about it three days later and slaughter him and say, you can't be doing that, Nicky. And Nicky say, yeah, but the music's brilliant there. And uh, and we won two, One, and I was your best player. Within five minutes now, yeah, there's pictures everywhere. And that's True. a good point he made. And I like him. He's a, he's a no-nonsense Mancunian. He's not particularly um, media-friendly. He actually said when he was 20, he thought all journalists were tossers.
3: Has he changed his opinion, Andy? He's grown up, hasn't
1: he? Yeah. Because he's not twenty anymore. He's grown up. He's lived in the real world. And I said, well, you, you were all right with me when I saw you in the Bangkok Hotel in 96 when I went to interview Roy Keane and you came behind singing and I had to stop doing my questioning. <sighs> so, you know, he's... What was uh, he singing? He was singing. Um, he was going, Andy, 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 just to try and, like, put me off. Right. But that was a long time ago. But um, I'm... I'd rather he stayed at the club than not stayed at the club. That's my, my opinion. I think he did a lot of good work there. He picked out Scott McTominay. He picked out Mason Greenwood.
3: That was an interesting line, wasn't it? Mason Greenwood at 15, Jose Mourinho was interested in him coming to train with the first team because he was he was impressing so much at youth
1: level. Yeah. And Nicky's saying, well, he can't because he's got to go to school. And Fair there's, no, there's no one claiming the development of Mason Greenwood, would it? There's several people. I mentioned Nick Cox. Um, Neil Ryan, um, Neil Wood, in, in, a, in a previous podcast, everyone helped create an environment which was good for Mason Greenwood. I thought the stuff about Jose Mourinho speaking to him every single morning to ask about young players over breakfast—that goes against the cliche of Mourinho.
3: Absolutely, I'll make sure that,
1: that Mour- I'll make sure Mourinho sees that as well. Yeah, because you get these um, opinions forming that become facts and. No, Josie was this, Josie was that. I interviewed Josie, he was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And at times he could be really, really difficult because he's human. I'm sure everyone listening to this isn't on top of the world every single day. Was it the right thing to change Jose Mourinho as manager? I, I believe it was. He said it himself, he should have been sacked. So Nicky was really engaging and I don't know what he'll do next. He's putting himself in the best position to do something next. He's in a very tough industry where there's very few uh, jobs and I don't know what's going to happen for him next, but he's not sat there moaning about it. He's sat there doing something very proactive. He's still doing some, some coaching. And um, that was the best version of Nicky Butt I've ever seen in that interview.
3: That's encouraging in itself to be fair, isn't it? I mean, the article takes the form of a Q and A as well, which I think was an interesting way of doing it. It's him very much in his own words. Um, What did you think about the sort of reason he gave for leaving? he sort of described it as sort of irritation or restlessness. Um, Was it just that? Or do you think there was a sense that changes were being made inside the club as well at that point with the different, different levels and obviously bringing in new people, moving out old people? What did you make of it?
1: He was irritated. He said he was irritated. And he said when he becomes irritated, he doesn't become the best version of himself. He starts blaming people. He starts lashing out. And he said that was only going to go one way. And, and he didn't want it to go that way. So he stepped down. And was it just his decision then? It was absolutely his decision. Yeah, He, he did not get sacked. I'm 100% certain uh, about that. And as he said, most people, uh, when they leave Manchester United, have something else lined up. He didn't. So I remember um, when he left Manchester United, it was in March, and people who were in the know were saying to me, He's going, to, um, he's going to Celtic. He's going to wherever. And I'm thinking, honestly, I think he'd tell me if he was. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And he wasn't going anywhere. I think he, he felt that he'd come as far as he could come or go at Manchester United. And there was frustration and there was some irritation in there. But a few months later, A, he says he doesn't regret his decision. B, he looks back with pride at the work he's, he's done. Um, see, I've had people say to me, I wish he would have stayed there, um, which is all all fair comment as well. Um, he, he shook hands with Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward was, was decent with him. So that's it. This happens in, in work scenarios. But if you're not happy going into work and he wasn't, he's entitled to have that opinion and he's entitled to make a decision. He's the one living his life. Nobody else. Is management next for him then? Probably, but if Real Madrid offer him the assistant manager's role, I'm sure he'd he'd take that as well. (laughs) And um, I think he, you know, there's different roles. The sort of no, he's got got his Spanish as well. Yeah, he needs to work on his Spanish. I told him that he needs to spend some time in Spain, and he knows that. And I think he just got a way up. He's had he's had a few different offers Um, summon environments he doesn't really know a lot about. He's he's got to make the right decision, really. It's not just about going to a club with a big name. You need a good chairman. You need to know that you're going to get back in. Would you take the Watford job now? I'm not saying that he's been offered it by any stretch, but...
3: It might be in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) You know, Watford, you you you, you change managers every seven minutes. It's just startling.
3: Whichever way you look at their sort of decisions to change... uh, I don't know why Claudio Ranieri's gone anywhere near it, considering the career he's had. But
1: um, Watford's chief exec, he's, he went to my school. He's a Manchester United fan. don't think he advertises that in, in Hertfordshire, but so be it. That's a fact. Um, and, and Watford have actually, you can look at it another way and say, for the vast majority of their existence, they've not been in the top flight, and they are now regularly yeah. in, in in the top flight. And
3: It's like the Chelsea argument,
1: isn't it? They change managers a lot. They've won a lot of trophies doing that. Because that's their, That's their model. Changing managers all the time might work for Real Madrid. It might even work for Chelsea. It doesn't work for Oldham Athletic and I don't think it's worked historically for for Manchester United. But I hope Nicky gets a a good job and and I wish him well. He certainly came across well when I spoke to him.
3: Yeah, he certainly did. Go and have a look at that interview on The Athletic at the moment and remember to get articles like that and access to them. All the best Manchester United coverage and, of course, ad-free versions of the podcast, including Talk of the Devils you can go and get a 33% discount still, visit theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod to do exactly that.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
3: Okay, a couple of news updates in just a minute. But before we do that, Andy, a little bit of indulgence from you and I. We're going to cast our mind back 20 years ago now. To White Hart Lane and one of the great Premier League
2: comebacks. point to get it going here at White Hart Lane. Manchester United, at and in that ride at Newcastle, ended in a 4 3 defeat. Here's Foyette straight away. sharing him getting closer to the Manchester United goal with a corner. And they've scored and it's a debut goal for dean richards what a marvelous moment for him and not so good for Nicky Butt, who started it all by conceding that free kick then conceding some territory erwin conceded the corner which ziga took richards rounded it off tarika ziga Poyet not picked up Ferdinand, there's no flag this time, it's a goal! Les Ferdinand has drilled it in, 2-0 Tottenham! Two inside the opening, 25 minutes. No wonder Spurs are celebrating. Oh, it's a dream time for the Spurs fans. No lays as Freud tries to use the full perimeter of the pitch, and he's done that, kept in by Gus Poyet. 3-0! Christian Zieger, unmarked, extraordinary events at White Hart Lane. Cole, make, make Mr Roy, Scholes, Gary Neville, 3-8, to eight, 4. And one of them, Andrew Cole, has already lightened some of the gloom for Manchester United within the first minute of the second half. Could this be the start of a comeback for the champions? Back in the corner. Block! They've got another one back. 3-2. We've only had 12 minutes in the second half. Cole, here's Sylvester well forward again. Oh, Van Nistelrooy! Scholes, the low route this time. Veron. Hats off to Manchester United. Solskjaer, pass to Rico. Beckham with time to take a touch, a time to take aim! And if you give him that type of time, the outcome is inevitable, as now is the result of the match. The side that were three nil down are gonna take three points away from White Hart Lane.
3: Tottenham 3, Manchester United 5. Andy, it's 20 years ago. I was doing a paper round at the time. Um, what were you doing?
1: I was working as a as a journalist. I'm a little bit older than, than you. I remember that <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Uh, the internet was really sort of taking off with message boards. And at half time, I remember seeing um, a huge number of people on some forums saying, Fergie's lost it. This is a disgrace. This whole team is a disgrace. And I remember 45 minutes later thinking, oh, ye of little faith. And very (laughs) little has changed since then. Spurs were 3-0 up. It was at White Hart Lane.
3: When I started the paper round, Tottenham were three up. Yes. When I finished the paper round, I think United had actually completed the comeback. I had a call on a
1: Nokia thirty three ten to inform me that it was five three. I can't believe you still use that phone all these years later. Anyway, and it still uh, charges. Um, <laughs> I spoke to Juan Sebastian Veron about that game, and. He was a wonderful player. It didn't always work out for him at Manchester United. And I uh, love Verón. Oh, I, think I loved him. Everyone I even loved
3: him. that little bandage he had underneath his knee because I had Oscar slatters as well and I wanted to wear a bandage like
1: that around my knee. And Verón was a very, very uh, cool player and a wonderful player and attracts worship in Argentina and I wish it would have worked out a bit better for him. Uh, Old Trafford and so does he. And I've been to see him twice in Argentina. He's a great guy. And uh, he said of that, that that game at Tottenham, I've never been involved in anything like it. El Mister Ferguson, was not happy at halftime. He said we had no respect for the people. We scored five goals in the second half. Love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, I thought it's one of the most memorable... Uh, games and it just it just clicked i think fergie'd said to him at half time get an early goal and you're in this and um you know, got an early goal bang 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 the away and just absolutely bouncing and we're talking about it 20 years later
3: yeah I, I, a result like that will never be beaten will it because you, even if you came back from 3-0 down to win 5-3 again i mean you'd have to come back from four down wouldn't you to top it really fact it was half time the fact that it was 3-0 and, and not 3-1 at that point or even 3-2 the fact that all five goals came in the second half just makes it even more special doesn't it it was
1: brilliant imagine being a Tottenham fan watching that I think to be fair Tottenham fans they, 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 they'd they lived a lot of disappointment hardened sure. and I actually do think it could be better it could have been in the European Cup final and it could have been against Liverpool <laughs> 3-0 down at half time and scoring five and I say Liverpool. It actually happened for them, really, in Istanbul, didn't it? Against Milan. Yeah. Let's stop talking about that. That Tottenham You've game. You've done that two podcasts in a row, by the way. Right. Maybe I'm a secret Liverpool fan, and I've got a season <laughs> ticket on the cup. Um, Tottenham three, Manchester United five. One of the classics in Manchester United's um, recent history, and uh, we rightly remember it.
3: Okay, a couple of news stories then to talk about now. You can go to The Athletic and read more from Laurie and Charlotte Harper about Edward and Kevin Glazer selling 9.5 million United A shares for $166 million. All money going to the Glazer family as well. Not a penny of that going to the club. Like I say, you can go and read more about that. And also a brief update from Laurie as well. He's not with us today. I think he's at a wedding, Andy, enjoying himself. He'll be dancing to the Spice Girls by now, I'm sure. Uh, But he's saying that Marcus Rashford scored twice, in a behind-closed-doors friendly against Blackburn Rovers yesterday in a 3-0 win for United. I mean, that is really encouraging news after, what, three months missing for
1: Rashford? It'd be great to have a fit and focused and informed Marcus Rashford playing for Manchester United again, remembering why we all fell in love with him as a footballer and that could really help Manchester United. So that's absolutely encouraging news. Does he get in the team? Well, I'm not picking it and I'm not watching them train every day. But I wouldn't have any doubts about bringing him into the team. And if you see Oli bringing Anthony Martial in, as he did against Everton, you wouldn't be stunned if he brought in Marcus Rashford. Oli needs results. And Marcus Rashford is a very productive player, not just in terms of his goals, but his assists. And he wasn't fully fit towards the end of last season. So if he's fully fit now, he's probably really determined. Great. that that absolutely excites me or he might just bring him on after 80 minutes uh, against Liverpool tee up Cavani goal bang sorry I'm getting carried away
3: you're dreaming again either way I look forward to hearing Alex Ferguson's comments on this via an indirect social media post in the coming weeks Andy it's been great to have you with us today thank you so much for joining us as always on Talk of the Devils thank you for listening at home as well don't worry we'll be back on Monday it's the international break but none of us are having a rest and we'll be back next Thursday as well as Manchester United build up to that Leicester game in the Premier League. And of course, trying to recover from the disappointment against Everton as well. Go back and listen to Monday's podcast if you're expecting more conversation about Solskjaer and United. It was a great listen. But for now, we'll see you on Monday. Take care. Bye bye.
2: I